Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. I'm Brian Schulmeister. Good morning. Good morning, Brian. And a happy birthday to our mutual friend, Brian Blondell. Yes, very happy birthday. He was up very early this morning as I posted happy birthday on Facebook. Oh, could be because he's got the COVID that he probably ah, gave yes. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to get us all, Jason. It's, it's maybe maybe it's your turn. I, I tried. I tried. There's nothing else I can do. I mean, you can't escape anymore. You just can't escape. What you people don't know at home is that we are having internet connection issues because Canada and Eero and VPNs and Macs. I think so, it's mostly Eero, but we'll see. We'll have to do we'll some more see. troubleshooting. Yeah, if they were still a sponsor, we'd yell at them. Yes. <laughs> and we got a qu- little bit of quick follow-up here. Eric wrote in, have you stopped uploading your episodes to YouTube? Uh, you might want to remove the link from your website. Hugs and kisses. Yes, we have stopped uploading to YouTube because nobody actually checked it and it is fixed. So thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Eric also goes on to say, also, have you guys ever dived into the topic of productivity and note-taking uh, with Notion, Obsidian, etc.? Would love to hear your opinion on this. Have we really done a productivity episode in a while, Brian? I mean, we did one at the beginning of the pandemic, but that was kind of it. I mean, we talked about some of the various programs I had. uh, What was that big one for a long time? I can't even remember. It was expensive. Evernote. Evernote. I had Evernote for a while. Oh, Evernote. And discovered I never, ever used it. And uh, that uh, Apple Notes does the job for me. And you've got, you've had many variations of Apple Notes. That's basically what we've been at. Yeah, yeah. And as far as the productivity stuff, I mean, I could do hours and hours on that, but uh, it doesn't seem like something that people are clamoring for. So sorry, Eric. Uh, If we get some more people on board that want to hear that episode, uh, write in, let us know. Maybe we'll do it. But until then, as far as I can tell, you're the only one that really cares. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I I use Apple Notes as well and a million other tools. (laughs) So. It's that. I got a little follow-up here. There's a great article that I saw called The Craft of Forecasting Our Possible Futures, a conversation with Jane McGonigal. Mm-hmm. And this comes on the heels of her book, Imaginable, by Jane McGonigal, which I covered a couple episodes ago because I had read it and uh, enjoyed it thoroughly. And uh, I'm bringing this up because it does cover a few things that it goes in a little more depth than they do than in the book about you know the methodology on how they predicted the future and uh, do her simulation. So it's a good read, especially if you've picked up the book, which I do recommend. So, Excellent. Yeah, I, I actually, that's in my queue of things to read after I get through this sci-fi book that I've basically taken over a month to read half of. I didn't know Neil Stevenson had a new book out. What's this one? It feels that way, let me tell you. Uh, speaking of Neil Stevenson, I saw this one. Blasting out Earth's location with the hope of reaching aliens is a controversial idea. Two teams of scientists are doing it anyway. Doesn't and, that pretty uh, much encapsulate humanity in a nutshell right there? Yeah, uh, we are the hold my beer generation. Yes. I mean, it's like, have you never read any sci-fi? Yes, blasting out our location is probably not the best idea. And of course, some people are going to go ahead and do it, even though everybody else is going, no! In the news... Well... Going back to work at the office is getting mighty controversial and heated out there as people are actually starting to do it and companies are starting to require it. Uh, last week, a group of Apple employees wrote an open letter criticizing the company's hybrid work-from-home policy, which requires employees to be at the office three days a week starting May 23rd. Ian Goodfellow, the director of machine learning over there, has uh, quit 
because of this, stating that I believe strongly that more flexibility would have been the best policy for my team. Going into office three days a week instead of five seems pretty flexible to me. Yeah. I, I think it's time for people to pull up their big boy pants. The pandemic is as far as here's the thing that drives me crazy about this attitude. All these people that are claiming pandemic is still ongoing as a reason not to go back to work are living their entire lives outside of work as if the pandemic is over. Yeah, that's true. They just, they just don't want to go back to the office. Come on. They just don't want to go back to the office. And I get it. Why would you? But jobs, people. <laughs> it's called work for a reason. But Brian, it's the great resignation. Well, go get another job. Uh, chances are you're going to have to go into the office. I, I think three days a week is totally fair. I think that, uh, you know, we've had a major shift. We've discovered that for many people, work from home is possible. Uh, as a manager in my position, I want people back in the office. I can, I can see the Slack on Slack. Of course you can. But you also have to remember that the slack is a lot of times picked up because people are working 24-7 instead of 9 to 5. That's true. Yeah. We have to find some sort of balance here. But the idea that uh, that we're never going to go back into an office is ridiculous. It's kind of lame, too. It's like, yeah, it's, you're going to get bored at home. Trust me. I know. It, took, <laughs> it takes a while. It took me, what, 20 years? Me, but... too. <laughs> Yeah, I just think I, I just think that people are people are complaining to complain. And at the end of the day, the idea of going to two to three days a week is incredibly I mean, that's life changing. Can you even have imagined that pre pandemic? Like the fact that maybe you're only going to go into the office two to three days a week. You should be happy. Well, let's <laughs> let's be honest. Pre pandemic, if somebody told me to go to the office two to three days a week, I'd be like, I'm not going to an office ever. I work from home. I'm a contractor. I am free. Yes. Now I'm like, can I see other people, please? For the love of God. I, I like people. I see I see live people. I see <laughs> live people. Uh so yeah, I you know what it is? It's fucking entitlement. It's just entitlement in my book. And I'm tired of it. So good. Get yeah. out of here. We don't need your AI anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I saw this over at uh, Insider. It's the Insider's Guide to the Metaverse. And um, I, the, the title is The Insider's Guide to the Metaverse. But in the it's basically a list of their articles talking about the quote unquote metaverse. And um, they treat it in a multiple in multiple fashions here. And I because I would like to point out the difference between the words a uh, and the. Because if you say we are going to talk about the metaverse, you are talking about the entity. If I'm going to talk about Brian Schulmeister, I'm going to talk about Brian Schulmeister. If I'm going to talk about a Brian Schulmeister, that means that there are more Brian Schulmeisters than there were when I woke up this morning, because that, that means that there were two. If there are two, there is not a the. So how do you explain trying to say that this is the guide to the metaverse when you start off saying, we checked out seven different metaverses at the <laughs> beginning of the, the guide? That just shows that you don't fundamentally know what the fuck's going on either. Which is disheartening. Yeah, well, I mean, it's become a marketing term more than anything else now, because now everybody is claiming that they have a metaverse already. So I've heard claims that the Apple app, the app store for Apple is a metaverse. Yeah, it's an app store. Can we just words have meaning? This is, I, I feel like in the tech industry and on this podcast, we always cycle back down to words have meaning and you're not using them correctly. But we just did a story about how the AI chief of Apple just quit. Uh, well, <laughs> well, no, no, they did say machine learning. Oh, they did. Okay, yes, yes, okay. they did. They were actually Apple does not mess around with these kind of terms very much. So, I, kudos. They to have them. an AI chip. 
Uh, Come on. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Although they do call it a neural engine, so yes. that's a little different. Yeah. But yeah, the insider, yeah, the, the difference between a uh and the. <laughs> Let's agree on that before yes. we start the goddamn story. Um, but actions are starting to have consequences. I love this one. Uh, it seems like the DOJ is finally starting to show up. Like the internet police finally has been awoken somewhere. Uh, Mining Capital Coin CEO indicted for $62 million investment fraud scheme. All right. $62 million, not chump change. I saw this one uh, last night, too, the Crypto Queen. I don't know if you ever saw any of the documentaries on her, the podcasts about her. Uh, Interpol has finally put out a, uh, a bolo on her to take her in. Good. So, yeah, people yeah. are finally it, – it's, it's, it's all you hear about the news. Crypto scam, crypto scam, crypto scam. So it's like they had to finally step up, but it might be a little yeah, day late and a Bitcoin short. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, it's it's good. I'm I'm happy to see that actions are having consequences. I'm happy to see that uh, uh, all the shenanigans that have been going on in crypto are finally the chickens have come home to roost. Yeah, but we knew it was coming. I'm I'm glad it's finally here, so we can move on and find something new to talk about. But yeah, yeah, coming coming home. Sadly, my my Ethereum, my two hundred fifty dollars worth of Ethereum, which was two hundred thirty five dollars. By the time I finish the process, it's now down to $139. But that's okay. I get more enjoyment watching that go down than I do for it being... <laughs> I, I, I do too. It's kind of crazy. I, I should have, uh, you know, I would have cashed out a long time ago, except I'm just, like I said, it was gambling money and I'm letting it ride. And it's it's fun watching it tank and people freak out. I know. I mean, it's just, it's like an anti-horse race. I'm like, let's get to zero. Come on, baby. Let's get to zero. Get to zero. <laughs> let's, let's let Coinbase go out of business. Let's go. Oh uh, no! Bankruptcy, bankruptcy. <laughs> Some good news about the internet: uh, the Biden administration is trying to roll out low-cost internet for rural customers and low-income Americans. Yeah, yeah, uh, hundred megabit for thirty bucks a month or less. Okay, okay, great, cool. Make it happen. Yeah, good. Hundred percent. Let's do it. Yep. So they got a bunch of companies on board, but they got AT and T on board and CEO John Stanky. Ooh, he stank. He says, it's time for every American to experience the social, economic, health, employment, and educational benefits of universal scaled access to the internet. That scaled word he threw in there. Had to. You knew it. He had to. <laughs> He's such a scumbag. He had to just slide that in there for yeah. no reason. No I, reason. I hope Stanky gets spanked. That's, that's some yeah. bullshit. Yep. Although one might say that, you know, AT&T does. They... they they provide scaled internet access to everyone because when you use AT&T, sometimes it can be very hard to get online. Mm -hmm. uh, like the AT&T internet that I'm on with you right now. The fact that the installer came out and before he left, he says, I'm sorry, you have to call customer support. <laughs> like <laughs> that sums up AT&T yes, right does. there. Yep. So it's called the Affordable Connectivity Program. Link is in the show notes. Check it out. And speaking of connectivity, this one... Um, at first, I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard, but then it made a little bit more sense. Uh, the FCC is proposing uh, Wi-Fi on school buses. We're going to get Wi-Fi on school buses before we get seatbelts. We are. And it could be said that most kids on school buses already have Wi-Fi because they've all got cell phones now. Mm -hmm. So they want to put uh, Wi-Fi on school buses because of kids that, uh, you know, are who may not have broadband at home, who have not taken advantage of the affordable connectivity program yet and saying that they can, they, this is quote unquote, bridging the homework gap. Right there, I want to take a baseball bat to somebody's hands for writing that sentence. The <laughs> homework gap. 
Right. I don't know about you, Brian. How mm-hmm. was homework for you in school? Did you ever do it? Uh, yes, but you know me. Yeah. See, I didn't. I hate homework. <laughs> homework is dumb. We it's are fundamentally stupid. different that way. I hated homework. It was terrible. Anything to get me to do more of it, I am. I am just opposed to, and I am opposed to this for the kids because now they have the affordable connectivity program that they can take take advantage of. We don't need to spend money on Wi-Fi on school buses because, like you mentioned, there's no seatbelts. No seatbelts in open laptops on a school bus. Not a good what combination. What there? Yeah. No, no. And as, as soon as that first, you know, hundred laptops get broken because the school bus stopped too, too short and they went flying or the, you know, how many times has little Johnny got hit in the back of the head with an iPad because he was playing with it on the school bus. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be out the window. Yeah. I mean, this Just is like the, the main, kids with no seatbelt. it's the main reason we're told to, to put our stuff away when we take off on planes. It isn't because we're, your, your laptop is going to screw up any GPS or anything. It's because if something happens or the plane skids a little bit, your laptop's going to fly and hit somebody in the face. Yeah. Like a missile, a yeah. 500 mile an hour missile. Yes. Uh, have you seen uh, Elon's plans for Twitter? I have. I mean, they're everywhere, but uh, it seems a little, seems a little uh, pie in the sky to me. Well, that's Elon. Yeah, that's true. It's on brand. <laughs> it's on brand. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't see this happening. Uh, it's it's a nice dream. Maybe he's selling that to people that he's trying to get money from so he doesn't have to sell as many Tesla stocks to be able to afford to buy Twitter. Uh, he's got some good ideas, but uh, I think the numbers are way out of whack. I think he needs to tone that down a little bit, bad boy. Yeah, yeah. He wants to quintu- or, yeah, quintuple the revenue to $26.4 billion by 2028. Yeah. That's a lot of billions. Well, That's a uh, lot of billions. That uh, that one potentially, but he would have to grow users a lot and mm-hmm. would have to really switch over to a subscription model because he wants to cut down reliance on advertising to less than 50% of revenue, which I also think is smart. I would pay mm-hmm. for an ad-free Twitter. I think most people would. Um, you know, but I still think that the 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 idea of growing the user base as much as he seems to think he will uh, is unbelievable, particularly since he's going to shred the existing user base by getting rid of the bots. Yeah. And uh, this is the one that really caught my attention. Mr. Musk anticipates he can lift Twitter's average revenue per user, a key metric for social media companies, to thirty dollars and twenty two cents in twenty twenty eight from twenty four dollars and eighty three cents last year, according to the document. Mm hmm. We are worth $24.83 to Twitter. I did not know that. That is a that is an interesting fact to know. It is. It is. I want my $24.83. Well, that's about what you'll get for a share if uh if, if he buys it. We'll see and takes it private. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. Well, he also came out and said what we knew all along uh that he will allow Donald Trump back on Twitter. He made it clear he disagrees with the decision to ban Trump. And he basically just said he would reverse it. I think bans just fundamentally undermine trust in Twitter as a town square where everyone can voice their opinions, Musk said. He added that permanent bans should be reserved for accounts that are bots or spam scam accounts. Uh, the interesting thing about this statement is that he did open up, while saying he was going to welcome Trump back, he kind of did open up the fact that there should be temporary bans and some forms of basically censorship, which he said Twitter is going to be absolutely no censorship whatsoever. Uh, I think he's finally realizing the reality of the situation, which is you cannot have any social network that does not allow for some censorship. Even the much vaulted True Social, if you still follow the Eve Six guy on Twitter, he went over to True Social. He got in. He's not just on a waiting list. Uh, They ban a lot of words. He tried to post cum and all these other things, all of which are censored on True Social. Really? Yes. Wow. I'm going to have to try that. Yep. Yep. So 
There you go. Uh, he called the ban a morally bad decision and cited the Trump-backed true socialist proof that Twitter's ban did not have the intended effect. Au contraire, Mr. Musk. I feel that it had the exact <laughs> intended effect. Nobody's on true social. Nobody cares. Donald Trump isn't even posting on true social. It did exactly what the ban was supposed to do, which was got him off Twitter, where he had a megaphone, and put him somewhere he can't even be bothered to post a truth. We'll see. I, I had an article somewhere that I that I sadly lost. So my productivity plan is is failing me today. <laughs> it was basically a list of Elon's uh, seven worst uh, predictions. Right. And of course, you know what number one is. Mm, which? Okay. See, it's funny enough the fact that you didn't even know off the top of your head which is the most egregious. So there's plenty. That's <laughs> there's a lot to choose from. Self-driving cars. Oh, Self-driving cars. cars. Okay. All right. I thought it might be yep. uh, people on Mars in five years or whatever. No, no, no. Well, the self-driving car one is the most egregious because it, the, his deadline has passed several times. Right. And he, right. Just, keeps, he just keeps readjusting the timeline. Cameo is in yes. the news this week because mm -hmm. they have laid off a ton of their workforce. Did they send a jaunty message from Jerry Seinfeld letting them know they were fired? No. <laughs> it's funny. I actually just bought one of those from Carson from Queer Eye for a friend not too long ago. They're very fun. I quite enjoy them. Uh, why they have so many people working there when the entire, the entire you know, premise of the company is a celebrity takes their phone they take a video, they do all the work. So Cameo is just kind of a middleman. Mm -hmm. Why do you need so many employees? Hmm. And why are you out of money if you're just taking a cut? Hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, I've heard lots of theories about this, but I, I, I like this one. This is the, the CEO, Stephen Galanis, mm -hmm. said, or Galanis, on Twitter and LinkedIn. He said it was a brutal day when he had to get rid of everybody. And he said, the painful decision to let go of 87 beloved members of the Cameo Famio. Which would be worse, being known as a metamate or the part of the cameo famio? Oh, Brian, are you grumpio frumpio? I am. I am always yeah. grumpio frumpio. The cameo famio. That guy deserves to have his company taken away from him immediately. I would quit immediately if I were told I were part of the cameo famio. Well, another company that is uh, having some problems right now. Uh, I would say the COVID, COVID bump was huge and has ended. Peloton. The company oh, made Peloton. a net loss of $757 million in the first three months of the year. Uh, it was much worse than expected and a massive decrease from the $8.6 million loss it posted for the same period in 2021. Revenue has dropped from $1.2 billion to $964 million. That's quite large. Operating expenses grew because they have now a whole bunch of bikes and other fitness equipment <laughs> that nobody wants to buy because everybody that would have bought one has bought one. And people are going back to the office and people are going back to gyms. Yeah. Oops. No, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Peloton is one of those things where they, they were good for the, the right. They were at the right spot at the right time and they did all the wrong things. Yeah. Like they didn't have enough bikes during the pandemic. So then they overordered. I guess they assumed that the pandemic was going to last forever. Glass half empty there. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, now they're stuck with basically warehouses full of laundry hangers that nobody needs anymore. Overpriced laundry hangers, I might add. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's going to increase their subscription costs to try to battle this, which uh, I, I, those costs are already pretty expensive. When you're encroaching up on the cost of a high-end gym just for your subscription to ride a bike, you've got to be looking at your business plan, wondering what's going on. Uh, but their plan is, of course, which makes some sense, they're going to cut prices on the actual machines and increase prices on the subscriptions. 
Subscription costs on these bikes are high. I have a Peloton knockoff called an Echelon, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm canceling the subscription. Forty bucks a month is a lot, and I can get forty uh, bucks a month. Yeah, I can get a program like Strava and just do rides that way, and it's cheaper. Yeah, yeah. Plus, the music on these things is horrific. That's pretty insane because I know, like, I mean, that's a, it's a gym membership right there. Yeah, for exactly. like you know, medium end gym. If you want a high end gym, you're looking more, but. Still, you can you can go to a high end gym, go to the classes, and be around people. Yeah. You know, instead of sitting at home getting yelled at. Yeah. So but. I think you know Peloton's a good company. Uh, they just got way too big. Uh, they're a good small company. It's a quality product by all accounts, and people like the classes that get into it. It's just too big for their britches, as it were. Time for them to thin out. How much of that people love the product is just the sunk cost fallacy of them spending so much on a bike and figuring that they have to love it because they put so much money into it? That could very well be a lot of that, too. I mean, you know, but Peloton doesn't care as long as you keep paying the subscription. Yeah, they should just get rid of the bikes and just do a subscription. Bring the subscription price down. Just do that and put out an iPad app and some in some Velcro. Done. (laughs) Yep. You know. Uh, so Clear AI or Clearview AI is back in the news. They mm-hmm. have settled uh, a lawsuit, and thanks to the state of Illinois, I love this one. Um, basically, you know, Illinois has the biometric laws, yes. and it, it came to bite Facebook in the ass a couple times. Uh, and now the ACLU has gone after Clearview using Illinois' biometric laws and have come to a an agreement saying that Clearview can no longer sell their database to private U.S. businesses. Yay. Which is interesting. Here's the rub. They can sell to financial institutions, which Hmm. is an interesting loophole. Um, The other one is that um, they can sell the algorithm, but they just can't sell the database of the faces. So it's a roll your own database kind of thing. So how many companies do you think will pop up just selling pictures of people that you can populate the database to that is not based in the U.S.? Because if I was Clearview, I would spin off that division, put it in the Seychelles or wherever, and say, okay, well, we're going to sell you the algorithm. Go to Joe over there, and he'll sell you the faces around the corner. <laughs> you just can't sell them together. I got you know, a guy. It's just like a drug deal. Yeah, I got yeah. a guy. This episode is sponsored by Mood. 420 celebrations come in all shapes and sizes, just like the many ways to enjoy your THC. Mood offers just the right buzz with their federally legal flower, gummies, vapes, and more, helping you find the perfect high. Mood is offering our listeners a free THCA pre-roll and 20% off your first order. Just head over to hellomood.com and use our exclusive code GOG. Mood's latest introduction, the THCA flower, is a game changer, offering the classic cannabis high with a twist. With 10 high-inducing strains, it's their most potent lineup yet. What's even better is that all Mood products are extracted from hemp, making them federally legal, and are regularly tested to ensure the highest quality. Sourced from small family farms, you're getting a product that's effective and pesticide-free. I tried several of their products from the uplifting Energized to the Mellow Chill, and I must say, each provided a unique, enjoyable high. My favorite? Definitely the creative strain. It sparked an incredible flow of ideas and got me through my daily projects with ease. 
Whether you're new to THC or a seasoned aficionado, Mood has something for every vibe. Their in-house experts have tailored different strains to match specific moods, offering a range of products to suit any preference. From delectable gummies to classic flour and convenient pre-rolls, there's a multitude of ways to enjoy Mood's offerings. Celebrate 420 exactly how you want to with Mood. Get 20% off your first order plus a free THCA pre-roll at hellomood.com with promo code GOG. That's hellomood.com. Code GOG. Today's episode is sponsored by Private Internet Access, America's number one virtual private network, also known as a VPN. Even if you use incognito mode, your internet service provider is storing your browsing data and many times even selling it. But Private Internet Access, or PIA, can help. PIA encrypts and reroutes your internet traffic through one of its own servers, hiding your data from your internet service provider or network admin. And with servers in over 75 countries, you can get unrestricted access to geoblock content around the world. PIA comes with an easy-to-use app and browser extensions for all devices, a rock-solid privacy policy, open-source security, advanced customization settings, and it was just ranked the fastest VPN in the world by PCMag. If you sign up with PIA right now, you can take advantage of a special deal only for GOG listeners. By using our link, gog.show slash VPN, you can get complete digital privacy for less than $2 a month and four extra months for free, which means only $1.98 a month and up to 83% off. That's so much more inexpensive than virtually every other VPN on the market. And if you get it right now, you can take PIA's 30-day risk-free challenge. You can try it out for 30 days and see if you like it. If not, just return it for a full refund. So go to gog.show slash VPN and try out the best VPN on the planet completely risk-free. That's gog.show slash VPN. This episode is brought to you by Delete Me. Today, I want to share something personal and honestly a bit alarming. On this show, we often discuss the vast amount of personal info floating around out there. We're talking home addresses, contact details, and even information about your family. If you've ever felt that uneasy feeling about your privacy, you're definitely not alone. That's why I need to tell you about Delete Me. It's been a game changer for me in protecting my personal information. As someone who's been bombarded with spam calls and phishing attempts, discovering Delete Me was like finding a magic shield. Here's a really frustrating fact. The amount of personal data available online has tripled from 2019 to 2023. With rising political tensions, your political views could expose you to cybercrimes, identity theft, or even violence. Angry people fueled by their beliefs can access your data from data brokers that cover 98% of U.S. citizens, putting you at risk of harassment, identity theft, or worse. But there's good news. Delete Me works tirelessly to safeguard your data. They scour the internet, finding and removing your personal information from some of the largest data brokers in the world. And they don't just do it once. They continuously monitor to ensure your info stays private. I signed up and provided details on what I wanted removed, and the team at Delete Me took it from there. They keep me updated with regular reports, showing me where my information was popping up and confirming when it was deleted. Seeing their commitment to protecting my privacy has truly been a relief. Now, here's something special for all of you. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan today when you go to joindeleteme.com slash GOG and use promo code GOG at checkout. The only way to get that 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash GOG and enter code GOG at checkout. 
That's J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash G-O-G with code G-O-G at checkout. Are you hungry? I am. Which means it's a perfect time to talk about Factor. Why not make your spring a breeze with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals? Picture this. Every meal is fresh, never frozen, crafted by top chefs, and has the dietitian's thumbs up. Plus, they're ready to roll in just two minutes. You've got 35 mouth-watering options to choose from each week. Whether you're into calorie-smart keto, ramping up your protein, or keeping it green with vegan and veggie, Factors got you covered. And there's more. Each week brings over 60 extras, including breakfast, grab-and-go lunches, snacks, and drinks to keep your energy up and your taste buds happy all day. So, what's the holdup? Dive in today and give your spring the tasty kickstart it deserves. As someone who's lived off microwave meals for most of his life, I can confidently say that Factors chef-crafted dishes blow anything else I've had out of the water. The chicken stays juicy, the veggies are crisp, and the flavors are absolutely delicious. I'm talking about meals like their artichoke and spinach chicken and the spicy poblano beef bowl out of this world. Are you craving a touch of gourmet? Well, check out the meals featuring luxury ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. It's fancy dining without the fuss. And speaking of no fuss, the meals are a total breeze. Forget about prepping, cooking, and cleaning. Just heat up your meal and enjoy the deliciousness. Plus, everything's tailored to fit your life. Customize your weekly meal plan to get exactly what you need whenever you need it. Need to pause or shift your deliveries? No problem. It's all designed to work around your schedule. Factor is your solution for fast, premium meals without the need for cooking. And Factor is celebrating Earth Day all month long. Look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for the lowest carbon footprint meals. Head to factormeals.com slash grumpy50 and use code grumpy50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code grumpy50 at factormeals.com slash grumpy50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Media Candy. Well, season two of Star Trek Picard has wrapped. I would argue they've wrapped the series, but we're getting a whole yeah. other season. I'm wondering why. Uh, why? I am too. It's, I mean, you don't get much more of a perfect all, all plot things ticked off. Everything's wrapped up in a nice little bow. No, you don't. The Borg are part of the Federation. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean... <sighs> It was fine. It, uh, we've talked about this at great length. It wasn't the show we had hoped it would be. Um, but you can't argue with the fact that they they saw it through. They saw the plot through. They wrapped it all up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was just not a good season. It was yeah. just sadly not a good season. Yeah. And not. oh, I do have uh, I do have a bit of uh, um, updates. I screwed up last week. I thought it was Russell T. Davies that was... Um, the guy that was behind coupling that moved to Doctor Who, it mm -hmm. wasn't. It was Stephen Moffat. Ah, that was the guy. Yes. Right. So, um, so apologies about that for anybody that was screaming at their podcast player. 
which I don't believe was anyone because I got no feedback about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was about to, to say, uh, thanks for that update that no one cares about. <laughs> well, I saw it in Discord. I saw it in Discord that somebody was talking about Stephen Moffat and Doctor Who, and I'm like, oh, that was the guy. Yeah. So I felt bad that I, I sullied Rus Russell T. Davies' name. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, just cycling back really quickly because it just hit me. There was one plot point that was probably going to be left completely unresolved. That was uh, the, you know, the character from the first season that came back being uh, Dr. Singh's sort of daughter uh, that was just kind of left out in the wild and who knows what mm -hmm. she might do. Well, they conveniently wrap that up by having Wesley Crusher show up and just take her off the planet. Did you not say that it would be too complicated to have Wesley show up for his cameo because he's now the traveler? <laughs> Well, they found a way to shoehorn that in, didn't they? Yeah, they shoehorned the shit out of that one. <laughs> We've got one plot twist that we don't know what to do with. Hey, Wesley, yeah. come here. <laughs> yep. Uh, spoiler alerts, by the way. Yeah, lots of spoiler alerts. So uh, we shall wait to see what season three brings and why season three is here other than getting all the old cast together, which I guess I welcome. It's like, it's just a party for those guys. They're just, you know, somebody, somebody is in charge of green lighting these. And they said, who, who wants a check? Yeah. Let's who get wants everybody to do a victory a lap check? and a check. And that way you can keep signing autographs at conventions. Absolutely. <laughs> you can raise the prices. Uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds premiered. Thank Jesus. Wow. Um, you know, we've read reviews that said it's not the best in the world as a series, but strong first episode. Uh, yeah. I, I, would say I had the feels. I did too. I totally had the feels. It, it, it was Star Trek. It was as Star Trek as it gets. Yes. Which is the good point. It was, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, a little sexy Spock, but we can't seem to get away from sexy Spock these days. But, yeah. uh, you know, it was good. Yeah. And uh, Samuel Kirk shows up at the end. Yep. Yep. Which is an interesting one because he's James's older brother. Yes. Which was, a which you know, took a little, took a little uh, research. Which, I had to, which, I had to wiki that one. Uh, I well, I found out because I was I was slapped down at the beginning uh, when I was thinking about it. I was, I was talking to a friend of the show, David Teeter, and apparently uh, Chen, his his lovely lady, is on a huge original series kick in even watching the animated series. And she pointed out immediately that Sam is Kirk's brother. She knew, and I didn't. Right. And she's a noob. I felt <laughs> I felt really bad about my canon knowledge on that one. <laughs> Oh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, second episode tonight. That's right. I am looking forward to it. Me too. Uh, please don't fuck it up. <laughs> but Ozark is over. Mm -hmm. Wow. That was a, that was a rough ending, but a uh, good one. That was the scuttlebutt I saw online. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not, not the ending one would hope for, but it ended. But it was satisfying. It actually, you know, it was, it, there were many feels and, mm -hmm. The funny thing is, if you watch Ozark and you know what the, you know what the the ending is about and what it's like, uh, then you watch Strange New Worlds right after it. Mm -hmm. The theme of Strange New Worlds is really ties into the last episode of Ozark, okay. <laughs> like a lot. So uh, pairing those two is just like a fine wine pairing. Finish Ozark if you're almost there, and then watch Strange New Worlds, and they they couple together really really well. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I was a fan. I was a okay. fan. I think Ozark was solid from soup to nuts. Uh, watched the McMillions, mm -hmm. the documentary about the Monopoly game show scam. Right. Fan fantastic. Yeah, I watched that a while it. back. Yeah, really good. Oh, so good, so good. Uh, I'm enjoying Halo. Halo's okay. doing good so far. Everybody hated the ending, so I'll get to that at some point. I'm only a couple episodes in, but it's sci-fi, and I'm liking it. Right. Okay. So, 
There you go. I don't know the game story, so it doesn't matter to me. And it's got the the pervy stash prison guard from Orange is the New Black as Master Chief. So that's that's fun. Um, I finished Severance. Okay. That was a long squeeze for a little bit of juice. Yeah. Oh, did you uh, watch it? I have not watched it. I have not started watching it uh, because people were starting to say it's not that great. But then there was, oh, my God, but the ending, the ending made it all worth it. And you're basically saying not so much. No, that's the problem. The ending does make it worth it. Oh, that's, damn. That's the pro. Here's the thing, though. I'm. I have to go back now and think about it. Like, does it make it worth it, or is it just that thing? It's. Like, is this the Pink's hot dog theory of hunger that I have? It's like Pink's hot dogs in Hollywood. You have to wait two hours to get a hot dog, and you're smelling other people's food the entire time. That could be the worst hot dog in the world, but you had to wait for it so long that it is the most delicious thing in the world. Sunken cost fallacy rears its head again. <laughs> yeah, you have nine hours of show for five minutes of holy shit. That's it. Okay, I, I may be taking a pass on this one then. Here's the other thing. I was reading up on it, and apparently the guy that created it has a plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wait. I've he heard that before. <laughs> yep. And apparently in season two, we could see more of the Severance universe. Great. So we're already going in that direction. But he keeps saying he has a plan. It could go off in different places. He has a rough outline of how the how the show is going to land. And he's saying it could be a three, series, a three season or a six season. But he knows what that last season is going to be so he can wrap it up. I seem to recall a show that even had the tagline <laughs> that they have a plan. And we kept hearing about they have a plan. And the show ended and there was no plan. And then they even made a special, special two-hour uh, show about it called The Plan in which there was still no plan. They even outed the fact that they didn't have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not buying this crap anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Severance really has a plan. Hmm. And in strange news, Avatar trailer came out for Avatar 2. And my first set, or my first sense was, is this real? Or is this just a deep fake? Because it's been a long time. It's been a long time. I was a programmer working at a startup in San Francisco when, when I saw Avatar in 3D at... Uh, uh, the Metreon. Mm -hmm. That was like, you know, eight cross-country moves ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Can, can you even remember what the first one was about? Oh, that's right. It was Pocahontas. I don't think I remembered what the first one was about five minutes after I left the theater, to be honest. Um, yeah. But yeah. That, I, that I, unobtainium uh, scrambled your mind. All I can remember about Avatar is that after, uh, is that I know in my heart of hearts that I no longer want to see any Avatars. And I will never see this movie. Did you see the trailer? No, I don't care. Oh, that I, would reinforce I, it. I, okay. <laughs> just saying. I, Absolutely I am, would reinforce it. My only feeling about the way back from Avatar is uh, that was enough Avatar for me. And I'm not interested in the Avatar universe. Not at all. Not at all. I'm just, I'm like, how, why did it take so long to make this? I, I think they're building it one pixel at a time. Yeah. I mean, I, I heard that they shot two and three, so we'll get two and three pretty quickly it won't be another mm -hmm. 20 plus years to reflect on the amazing story that is avatar um <laughs> pocahontas yes uh, yeah no uh, it's, it's gonna make a shit ton of money you think yeah people okay. are dumb is 3d still a thing though I, I haven't been to the movies in so long i don't even know if 3d is still a thing i i don't even know if there are movies <laughs> yeah it didn't say avatar 2 and 3d so i'm guessing it'll probably be 
Maybe they'll make a deal with Meta. It'll come out on an Oculus. It'll just come out on Oculuses. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, man. that's He's actually going to delay the release of Avatar 2 because it's it's got to come out in the metaverse at the same time. So James Cameron a is metaverse. now off inventing the metaverse. So he can A metaverse, Avatar Jason, 2. not the metaverse. It'll come out in a metaverse. Avatar metaverse. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was the first trailer of the week. The second trailer was House of the Dragon sneak peek. Zero fucks given. Also a movie I will never see. Uh, I think it's a series. Okay, whatever. That's the that's the Game of Thrones prequel. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to watch it. I, I will wait and see what people that I know and trust and think about it, because I know they're definitely going to watch it. So I will get the thumbs up or thumbs down two to three episodes in and then figure it out. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of Game of Thrones out. I couldn't even watch The Witcher or whatever that Amazon series was, too. <sighs> I, I just... lost interest in season three of The Witcher. I really liked first two seasons. Mm. Mm. yeah the swords and tits things just don't they don't excite me anymore i don't know what it is you need more now <laughs> yeah i do i need new downton abbey a new era i do comes i'm to, excited comes to theaters in uh, a week one week yeah i had to turn i had to turn off the, the trailer because they give away so much in the trailers yeah i just that, i want to watch it I, I, to me i don't even care if they're bad you can keep making downton abbey movies until i die and I will be happy. Yes. I, I just as like as long as Maggie back. Smith's still as in. long as Maggie Smith is still there. Okay, so keep making them until she dies. As long as yep. she's in there, I'm happy. I I just bask in the universe uh, in the way that James Cameron desperately wishes I would for Avatar, but I just don't. <laughs> I I love Downton Abbey. I I I will watch those movies forever. Just keep making them. I love them. I know. Coming May twentieth in theaters in Sweden everywhere. Yes, I will be downloading. And we talked briefly about George Carlin last week, and for some reason I fired up Amazon Prime, uh, which I never do because there's next to nothing on it. But they do have a ton of old George Carlin stand-up specials, and I watched uh, George mm. Carlin, Life is Worth Losing, and it was done in 2005. Could have been recorded yesterday. I, I, the man was a prophet. Everything that he was talking about is happening, has been happening. It's, it's amazing. It was just stunning. My jaw hit the floor. I'm like, wow, man, we should have listened to this guy. Yeah, yeah, he's so amazing. I want to go back and watch those again too, as if in the run up for the documentary. That's a really good idea. Uh, it just reminds me too on Amazon, um, Bosch is back. I we saw. Talked about Bosch I was going to talk it, to you about that. Yeah, I watched the first episode. It's awesome. I'm going very slowly because there's only three. Right. It sucks. There's yeah. only there's only a couple episodes. Yeah, that was so big, big splashy ad when I launched Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was originally supposed to be on the IMDb channel, but they've changed the name. Right. But uh, yeah, I watched the first episode. It is classic Bosch. I love it. So hopefully they'll keep going. Cool. Ups and doodads. I have a little uh, iPhone case follow-up, Brian. Mm -hmm. So remember I got that Peel super thin uh, case when I got the iPhone 13 Pro? Yes. And said it was, I said it was the best case I've ever owned in my life? Yes. I'm standing by that because I got the Peel super thin regular case that they make in sierra blue i wanted i wanted uh something with uh a flat ba uh back on the back of it you mm -hmm. know with just color instead of the translucent yeah that was a big mistake those uh those hard cases that they make they are super thin like so thin to be generally useless <laughs> as far as i can tell um and it makes it extremely slippery so for the same price i still recommend the peel super thin uh, case get the clear soft version that's the winner the hard the hard ones man they're so slippery they make it worse they right. definitely make it worse and yeah. for 43 bucks you want a case that doesn't fly across the room 
That's a good idea, yes. And uh, 1Password8 is out. Did you get a chance to do your upgrade? I did. I did. Um, it's nice. It definitely fits in with the look and feel of uh, Mac OS much better now. It seems to work a lot better. I know that you you saw that I logged into our GOG podcast Twitter account from Firefox because you went, Firefox? <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm just going through and installing all the browser uh, plugins for iPassword8. And uh, yeah, it's my backup, 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 backup browser. Probably could have used that this morning since we had so many fun issues. Yes. Um, there's a there's a review from Jason Snell that I threw up in the show notes that you can check it out. But he he agrees with us. It's uh, it is an upgrade, but yep. you do have to have their monthly subscription plan to take advantage of it because one password eight does not have local vaults anymore. Nope. So I made that switch a long time ago, and since I always upgraded every year, the price actually worked out to be the same. Yes. So good upgrade. That Worth works it. out. Yep. Right. And Apple has announced that they will be discontinuing the iPod Touch, the last remaining of the iPod line, and it will only be available in stores while supplies last. So I expect a lot of silly people to spend a lot of money buying something that they'll never use just for memories. Already done. Sold out. In the I entire figured. <laughs> sold out. Yep. I thought about it. If they, if they were still selling classics, I would have bought one in an instant. Oh, me too. A but 60 gig classic. Here's the thing. You can get people have taken the classics put in flash drives and um, revamp them, like or refurbish them mm -hmm. and sell them on eBay now. I almost got one. How did you, you get, can get like a two terabyte onto it thing. now though? Yeah, you got to like, I mean, you can, I think there's other software that you can use or mm -hmm. maybe the Mac stuff still works, but here's the thing. At that time is long gone. It's gone. Forget it. Yep. Move on. Yep. You know, it's, I, I love the wheel too. I love the iPod one, the classic click wheel. That moved, not the little touch wheel. But um, there is the iPod Classic player for your browser if you would like to, you know, live it live it up a little bit. Uh, right. Link to that will be in the show notes. We talked about it before. It's fun. It's neat. It's cute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of sad that uh, so many people went out and bought them because I could have told them that iPod Touches are garbage. Yeah. They're just garbage. They are. I had one. It was horrible. Yeah. The screen is terrible. You can't see it. It's pixelated. It gets dirty. It's plasticky. Ugh, garbage. And in fun news... Uh, they are still working on Photoshop for iPads. Okay. They have done a big update this week that has a bunch of new uh, features. The content aware fill is in, remove background is in, uh, subject selection is in. It is turning into one of the coolest iPad apps. Is, I've been waiting for these updates because the, the promise is there, you know, that they're trying to get to as much parity as they can to the desktop version, which they'll never get to, let's be honest. But for an iPad app that you hold in your hands that you can transfer stuff straight from the camera to your iPad, do work on it and get it out using uh, like uh, 5G on your iPad. Right. That's a whole mobile workstation now with, with Photoshop. It is so nice. Very cool. Now, I, this next one in here, I don't know if you've seen this. Brian's been making a, in the rounds. It's a tandem shower by Buna. This is a, uh, this is a Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. You have to see the photos to understand what the fuck is this is this is a device that you clamp onto your shower head to give you another shower head on the other side so you can take showers with somebody. Yeah, um, they've, they've they've made almost a hundred thousand dollars in pledges. Uh, Six hundred ninety three thousand seven hundred seventeen dollars as of this writing, with four days to go for three thousand and sixty six backers. Oh, I'm sorry, it was Canadian pricing that came up for me. I got geolocated. Oh yeah, yeah. No, in real uh, money, it's six hundred ninety three. Why? That's I, I now, Brian. We are men of the world. We have showered with many people. Yes, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This solves no problem whatsoever that I've had taking a shower with another person. Nope. 
But I do like the the graphics on the Kickstarter page when you go down are like the infomercials where they try to to sell the fact that cooking pasta is so hard without their device. Uh, (laughs) No standing in the cold. No perilous side switching. A hot water hug. Bougie on a budget. There's nothing bougie about this. I would call this white trash. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this up there with the uh, the bed rack or the, the yeah the the bed rack shotgun holder. Mm-hmm. Remember that one where you slide the shotgun rack under your bed so you can be ready at any time. Yep. Here you go. The funny thing is, most people that are going to be buying these have never showered with another person. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it would actually make it less fun. Part of the fun is like uh, doing splashy splashy. You can't. Yeah. Sp- yeah, that's half of it. Yeah. Did you see the the picture of the guy in the video when you scroll down? Yes. I'm pretty sure he's not utilizing all the features of this, like the other person in the shower. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can't. Here's the fun part. Yeah, you can use it by yourself so your butt stays, you know, warm at all times, I guess. I suppose. I Again. Yeah. So you're just getting it, you're getting it from both sides? Again, I, I've managed to cook pasta for years without the special devices I see on the infomercials. I, I've showered butt cold, front warm all my life, and it's not really a problem. I know. But Brian, you can be bougie on a budget. Ah. 2,907 people think this is a great idea. Oh, no, we're up to, we've, we've passed the 3,000 mark oh, now. Okay. I think after this show comes out, we, they might break 10 because everybody, everybody that listens to the show is going to want one of these. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, this one's for you, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found this one for my dad because it's his birthday coming up and he's retired now and works in the garden all day, every day, and apparently has been using... A little red wagon that my brother had when he was a baby to uh, haul everything around the yard. So I got a I got a call from my stepmom saying, "Hey, get him a wheelbarrow." So this is a new wheelbarrow, Brian, and you're a homeowner, and I think you could use this wheelbarrow because I think I'm going to get one too. I love this <laughs> thing. It's out of stock. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, my birthday is also coming up, and I hope my wife, this comes up in my wife's advertising feed now that I've clicked on it, because uh, this is genius. I love this thing. It's the AeroCart 8-in-1 Yard Cart Wheelbarrow and Dolly. It does everything. I, I 100% need this as a homeowner. Yep. Uh, I think you should order it now, because if you use coupon code REAL20 at checkout, you get 20% off. Yeah, well, uh, a little bit of follow-up here. Here's what I'm worried about, about ordering something that's out of stock. You remember those around-the-house pants I ordered over a month ago? Ah, the traveling pants. Yes, they have finally arrived, and guess what? They don't fit? I don't like them. Uh, I I have to say the the I understand why Amazon is one of the biggest companies in the world. The convenience of ordering, getting immediately, and being able to return immediately if unsatisfied is is something. So I I'm, I'm I'm I I have a feeling that there may be a similar product to this, maybe not as fancy looking or as nice that might be out there that I could probably get quicker. We'll see. See, this is the case for that Amazon. Does this make my ass look fat? Camera that they had for a while. <laughs> True. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that's that's a sad thing that they finally got there and it's gone. Yeah. Oh, well. And Barrett wrote in because we need more shit to add to the great Pacific garbage pile. Snapchat's flying camera. Yes, this is a selfie drone called Pixie. It's cute. It's cute and will sell as well as spectacles did, I'm sure. I don't think anybody really needs this or wants it. I don't know. It's for the price they definitely don't need. It. It's 230 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess it solves the problem of having your arm outstretched in your selfies. 
if that's a problem. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just still do have to stick your arm out because it only takes off and lands from your hand because it's cute. But uh, I watched the video on it and uh, I don't I don't see the use case, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with the, the snap glasses. And apparently they're getting better. Like the latest version was better than the Ray-Bans that uh, Meta threw out. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, they're just trying shit. They're throwing shit against the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. They literally are. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, DJI, on the other hand, has put out a new drone, the Mini Pro 3. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I want it so bad, but I didn't order it, and I'm not going to. We will have an update next week about no, the DJI I'm... Mini 3. <laughs> See, here's the thing. I look at it, and I'm like, oh, my God, that would be so cool. And then I look immediately to my left at eye level sitting on the shelf are two drones that I never fly. Yeah. Okay. I think so this one if those you should weren't not there, buy, but I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm not a betting man, but I would bet that you will own this at some point. Oh, at some point. Absolutely. Just not today. Okay. They're sold out. <laughs> There's a great little uh, article um, over on medium by Clive Thompson called, I got an AI to autocomplete famous novels. It's fun. It's anybody, a fun read. Uh, anybody point this at uh, game of Thrones? Oh, I don't think he did Game of Thrones. Because you guys are never going to get that book, just so you know. He's never going to finish it, ever. Security? It's 6 a.m. here in sunny California, and I had a very nice intro for Dave, because Dave is back, but screw it. Dave is the host of the CyberWire podcast, (laughs) co-host of the social engineering podcast, Hacking Humans with Joe Kerrigan, and finally, he's the co-host of Caveat with Ben Yellen, where they discuss law and policy and surveillance and privacy. Welcome back, Dave. It's early. Thank you. Let's get this party started. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. Thank you. It's good to be back. I appreciate you got all your patience while I was away for a couple weeks taking care of family business and family stuff. So it's it's good to be back, but uh, it was uh, necessary to be away. Yes, I agree. That uh, very glad to have you back. Yeah, glad to have you back. Yeah. And I know that it's um, it's a trying time, and there's a lot that uh, you both need the personal space. Plus, there's just so much stuff you have to deal with when this happens. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, just a couple things. I think um, you know everybody knows my mom passed away a couple weeks ago, and uh, so I've been working through that. Um, you know, everyone has been wonderful and, uh, my, I, I have plenty of family around me. Um, my immediate family is very close. We all live near each other. We see each other all the time. Um, you know, in some ways that makes it harder because we all saw each other all the time and my mom was at the center of that. Yeah. Um, so it's that's hard and the you know we'll settling into new realities and new rhythms and all that kind of stuff is going to be interesting um it struck me that one of the things that uh i'm going to miss most about my mom is all the food you know my mom yeah. could orchestrate a meal she was one of those old school you know 1950s june cleaver housewives who could orchestrate a meal uh, everything came out perfectly timed it was all hot ready to go of course she didn't eat you know, until everyone else. <laughs> of course not. Because, yeah. Yeah. But um, so just settling into all those kinds of things. So I, I just want to appreciate uh, – say say how much I appreciate all the kind words from everyone. Um, I've gotten cards and letters and gifts and uh, just, um, you know, thinking about you notes on Twitter and elsewhere. And it really does help a lot. Uh, so I appreciate all of that. Um, 
A couple of other things I thought maybe key into some things that that have been talked about here before. Um, you know, my mom was sick for about a year before she passed and uh, had some tough times. I had some mental health issues, um, some dementia, uh, you know, sort of was robbed of her dignity at times. Um, and I have to say, Brian, I know this is something you touched on when your father passed that – I feel like my heart has been broken by our healthcare system. Yeah. Um, you know, I live in a nice community. I live in an affluent community. We have a very good hospital, or at least I thought it was. Uh, it's part of the Johns Hopkins system, mm -hmm. you know, world-class hospital system. Um, and a month or so before my mom passed, she spent 10 days in the hospital and came out worse than when she went in. Yeah, that was my father. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I didn't, I guess, because I hadn't had that direct interaction with a hospital in that way before, uh, I didn't expect that. Um, I wouldn't have thought that was possible, uh, you know, certainly not in my community with my family. And, you know, and um, so that broke my heart. Um the opposite of that were the people in hospice who, when we switched my mom to hospice care, uh, the hospice people were amazing. Yeah, um, It is a different kind of care. It is a different kind of people. Uh, I'm not a religious person, but I would, I would call these people angels. You know, they are a special kind of person. And my mom's experience just changed the, the, the difference between trying to fight disease and cure people and switching over to trying to make sure that someone passes with dignity and, and without pain uh, was remarkable. So for anyone who's listening out there who goes through this, um, it is hard to throw that switch to say, OK, we're switching to hospice care because you're, you're admitting that the Defeat. end is coming and you don't know <laughs> – yeah, it, well, but that's a really good point because I think the Western attitude towards death is that it's unnatural, yeah, and must be fought at any at any cost. And I think that ultimately, some of the doctors I think kept my mother from having uh, a more peaceful transition than she otherwise could have in the time before we switched her over to hospice. So my point is. Um, you know, I know how hard it is to to make that transition to hospice care, but I hope for you that your experience will be like mine, that when you make that transition, it is a whole different level of care. And uh, it was, it's very um, – they take good care of your loved ones. They are special people um, and I'm glad that um, we did that. The other recommendation I'll make, the, the thing that I learned probably about, I don't know, six months ago um, – I hired a elder care concierge, basically. Someone, yeah. This is someone who knows what they're doing, knows the system, knows how everything works, knows what's possible, what's not possible, what's practical, knows who to call and how to get stuff done. And it was one of the best investments I'd ever made for my family. Yeah, we did the there same thing. They were just waiting gold. Yeah. 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 So just know those people are out there and that uh, – they if if you if you have the means uh totally worth it yeah so, cuz the system is so 
insane. Uh, it's impossible to figure yeah. out. These people make a career of it, particularly when you throw in health insurance and what they will and won't cover. And uh, it was just so difficult. And you have to be an advocate because nobody's going to come to come to you and give you options. And you've got to figure right. it out yourself and any help you can get with that to let you know what, what the possibilities are so you can make an informed decision is crucial. Yeah. 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 You can so, also, I would, I would also recommend that, uh, if you have parents that are moving into, you know, um, just long-term care, long-term mm. elder care, mm-hmm. find one of those specialists beforehand, because what they did for us with my grandmother, because, you know, we dealt with my grandmother for 10 years with dementia and moving her from place to place as she would decline. And, uh, we had a specialist that help my dad, like, you know, actually navigate how to get into one of the harder places to get into and do it with the right paperwork, the right insurance and all that stuff. And it ended up saving a lot of money and putting her into a better place that we couldn't get into without someone like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once you mm-hmm. even think about have, once you have to start going down that road, uh, find some of those people and just, you know, get their business cards and have them on, uh, have them on the back burner ready to go because it is yeah. very important. And I, and I didn't yeah. know these people existed. So, yeah. I, yeah. so I suspect a lot of people are in the same boat, you know. So I, I share that hoping that it'll help someone along along the lines. Um, you know, I my own personal journey, um, I think uh, it's fair to say I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, I have good days and bad days. I have good minutes and bad minutes. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the, the best analogy I've come up with so far for how I'm feeling is um, – Sometimes you go to the beach and you're standing next to the shore and you'll have your back to the ocean and a wave will sneak up on you and just whack you in the back, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's and that wave – and it's a diffuse. It's not like someone punches you because it hits your whole body at the same time. And it's so it's, – it's this diffuse force that's stronger than you that you can't overcome uh, and it's a whole body kind of thing. And that's how I feel when a wave of grief comes over me. It's that sort of thing. And there's no good fighting it. I have to ride the wave. You know, I know I'm going to make it to shore. I'm standing at the shore. I'm not going to drown. But in that moment, I know, you know, all I can do is turn myself over to this and and know that it's going to pass. So that's kind of where I am. It it, it's hard. Um, I. I think I'm still in the a little bit of the um, the downhill. Uh, I'm not out of the valley yet, but yeah. uh, you know, we're just working every day. Like I said, I, I you know I have a lot of support, and so I'm grateful for that. Um, but it's still hard. It's still hard. Yeah, I was thinking of you uh, the other day, actually. Um, well, first, the, those waves they they come less. They don't stop um, ever. Mm. But on the plus side, they start to feel. There's a tinge of happiness that comes with them because you you float into the memory more and um, the, mm-hmm. the grief kind of dissipates a bit. It's still always there. Uh, particularly, I'm coming up on on the fourth year now 
And uh, it, my father and I always watched the World Cup together. He passed during the World mm -hmm. Cup. Uh, the World Cup is coming up. So I don't know mm -hmm. how I'll feel about that. There'll be a lot of memories. But the reason I thought I actually thought of you was, again, I'm, I'm my father's been gone for almost four years now. And Jason will relate to the beginning of the story, and then he will check out when it's no longer about dogs and it's about people. Um, <laughs> I was, my, my mom, my mom uh, is still an asshole at six in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> my mom and dad have all, always had dogs. They had dogs before I was born. Uh, I grew up with dogs my my parents kept having dogs after my sister and i moved out of the house um and on monday my they my mom had to put uh, her dog to sleep because age all mm. that sort of stuff and uh she was upset obviously and, and i didn't know this dog particularly well but you know it's sad when when anybody loses a pet uh, that they've loved for years and years and years but it seemed to be hitting my mom particularly hard and i, I didn't really understand why until she mentioned that you know this was the last dog that she would have ever shared with my father. If she gets another dog, hmm. it will be solely her dog. And my mom and my mm -hmm. father had shared dogs all their lives. So there's always, I just, when you lose somebody, there's a hole that just never gets filled. Um, but it does get yeah. easier. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, thanks uh, for all of your patience and, uh, you know, support and love and, and all that stuff. I appreciate it. It, it does help. It really does. Um, and thanks again to all the listeners who've reached out. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I'll get there, but it's a journey. Yep. So I'm on it. Man, this is nowhere near as fun as talking about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let me pivot for us because I had something very interesting happen to me that is perfect fodder for our show. I had my most interesting your phone is listening to you <laughs> experience that I've had yet. Awesome. So – uh, my best friend in the world, uh, you know, who I met the first day of high school and I've been f best friends with ever since, uh, he and I, uh, we have a standing date on Sunday mornings. We, um, talk on the phone. I, I take a walk. We used to get together and do it in person. COVID happened. Now we just do it on the phone. I take a walk around the, there's a lake near my house. I walk around there. He goes outside and does his gardening and we just spend about an hour on the phone together just catching up and, you know, just making sure we stay connected. So he is a uh, 3D animator and one of the jobs that he has is uh, he work, he does animations for the, I believe it's like the National Chemical Safety Board or some, it's some organization like that. And basically- Ooh, Barn burners. Yeah. Well, when there's an accident, these folks come in and figure out what happened. Mm. And my friend uh, works with a team who does the animations to illustrate what happened. So I'm talking on the phone with my friend and he's explaining to me this video that they just made that was really cool and he was really happy about – uh, the parts that he did and it looked really good and it was this industrial accident where some people had mixed some stuff incorrectly and it created some hydrogen and there was an explosion and, you know, people died and it was tragic and all that kind of stuff. But we were talking about some of the technical details about how hard it is to animate foam and this and that and, and you know, just talking about this – talking shop about this video, right? Uh, great. I go home. I'm sitting later in the day on my couch. I'm scrolling through YouTube. What comes up? That exact video from an account I have never watched a video from on before, a topic I have never searched on before, 
But that exact video came up as recommended on my YouTube feed. You know, we had we had a similar incident. I think it was Barrett in Pittsburgh one time. He he was out mm-hmm. for a walk and ran into a band, obscure yeah. little band. Nobody came home and then turned on YouTube and there were videos of the band waiting for him. Well, I thought about that. So I mm-hmm. thought, okay, because we know proximity is a thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If they see – if you get close to someone else and, it's a, and this, the algorithm says, oh, these two people were near each other, right? So I thought about that. I thought about is it uh, – is the fact that we were on the phone together being tracked? I don't think that's what it is. The mm-hmm. best answer I can come up with is – he and I share videos back and forth. There you go. On mm. YouTube. Yep. And so I think YouTube knows, hey, these two guys are interested in the same sorts of things. So even though he had not shared that video with me, YouTube said, yeah, these two share videos all the time. This guy's been watching this video more than once, right? Because it was something that he'd been working on. And so this must be an interesting video. I'll share this with his buddy. And it did. And there you go. I think it's particularly strange that it's almost a self-selecting sample. It happens to those of us that are actually very careful about our privacy because the algorithms have so little to choose from. Because we don't, we, we, you know, I personally, you know, have removed myself from all the interest lists. I, I use VPNs a lot of the time. I, I, there's, I don't give the algorithms a lot to feed off of. So proximity and other friends is like the other friends interests is the only thing it can get it's why like 99 percent of my ads are whatever the fuck my wife is searching for so <laughs> right 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 exactly yeah the christmas ruiner exactly, exactly. All that. <laughs> right 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 exactly yeah so I, I, i've got one for you that happened to me and uh, my roommate yesterday and mm. so uh, I, I talked about this at the top of the show, so uh, people will know already. But Dave, uh, just so you know, uh, friend of the show, Brian Blondell, happy birthday, Brian. It's his birthday today. Uh, <laughs> we, we went walking on Tuesday, and right after our walk, he uh, uh, sends me a text, says, uh, sorry, bro, I got, I got COVID. I'm like, mm. oh, shit. So dealing with that right now. Wait, it's the waiting game. Do I have it? Do I not? I walked with him two days in a row while he was, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's the thing. So he get, I get a text from him. And we're talking about his next steps and, you know, trying to coordinate, figuring out just what's what. And he mentions he's getting the Pfizer pill, you know, the one that you can take five days when you have symptoms. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. Then I start talking to my roommate. I'm like, oh, he's going to get the Pfizer thing. He's got to call, blah, blah, blah. Within 30 seconds, there was an ad that came through Pandora on my Sonos for the goddamn Pfizer COVID-19 pill that we've never heard before. So. Wow. That one was really true. We both like, we're just like, that's the pill that we were just talking about. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, there is absolutely no way that they could have known because I got it in a text and we're talking in a room that has no Alexas, but it does have a bunch of phones. But, you know, in my head, I'm like, there's just absolutely no way this is, this is a prime example of the coincidence that comes along with this. And then I'm thinking, well, shit, are these guys mining iMessage? That's, you Mm -hmm. know, that's where your brain goes. Right. Yeah. Well, that one, that one was, was probably proximity. Don't you think it was probably certainly? Uh, that, certainly, that Brian Blondell has Googled this, and you've been walking with them. Yep. So right. there you go. You know, uh, there's exactly. always a way to track this, and that, like I said, it, I think it happens so spectacularly for for us, and so noticeably because we we're so careful with our privacy 
in general, and the mm-hmm. algorithms are just That's grasping a really at straws. Point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we never take the time to backtrace it. We don't Sherlock that shit. We just assume. <laughs> we we look for the you know the path of least resistance, and it's like, oh, well, they must have been listening to the conversation I was just having, not realizing right. that, yes, there are so many other vectors. And I like what you're saying, Brian, about the fact that we starve them for signals, so they try and find it wherever they can. Yeah, it's so why— it's so like, glaring when it actually shows up. It's why on Facebook, like, you know, the the suggested friends and all that sort of stuff, like, I have no connections at all to any of my coworkers, but all Facebook can throw up anymore for suggested friends are my coworkers because of proximity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Well, the the other thing I want to highlight today is uh, you guys know uh, I'm a longtime uh, Macintosh user. Mm-hmm. I like my Apple devices. I like my iPhone. I like my AirPods. Uh, I've liked uh, oh, you know, going back to the Apple too. I, I'm an Apple fanboy, right? Hashtag mm-hmm. fanboy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, love all that stuff. I just want to and and I love 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 the new M1 Max. In fact. Uh, bury the lead. I got a new MacBook Pro this week. Um, Ooh. Yeah, so nice, aren't uh, they? Loving it, loving <laughs> it. Oh, just it, it may be the best laptop I've ever had. It's just, uh, yeah, just a well, really... not maybe. It, oh, they are. They are. <laughs> oh, hands gra- down. Yeah, it's a very gratifying piece of of hardware. Um, wish I was capable of the level of techno lust that I was when in my younger days, but so be it. Yeah. Um, Do you have an iPad? I have an iPad Pro, yes. Have you used the universal control yet? I have not, no. It is magic. Now that you have an M1 <laughs> Mac, you can, use, you can use that, and it is so cool. I just, it happened accidentally to me the other day. I'm sitting on my couch, yeah. got my laptop on my lap, and I've got my iPad sitting on the table uh, doing whatever, and I just accidentally moved my cursor over, and boom, I'm controlling my iPad. And I'm like, wait a minute. It just did it. I didn't have to do anything. No dongles, wow. no software. It just did it. And I was like... Now, that is cool. That is so damn cool. So yeah. You'll find little things like that that come along with these M1s that are just like, wow, that used to take four years. Now, yeah. now it's done. Yeah. I wish we had Bryce still with the M1s. <laughs> How cool oh, would that be? Yeah, Bryce. Bryce is we, cool. We could be making techno rave flyers for, uh, you know, forever <laughs> mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Good old Kai living in his castle somewhere. Kai's um, the reason I'm in this business, so I love Kai. <laughs> Um, so uh, I got a fundraiser coming up. I figured I've been put in charge of audio and music, uh, for this little local nonprofit that I'm helping out with. I figure, all right, fine. I'll take my new, my new MacBook pro. I will use, uh, Apple music, uh, to be my background automated DJ, just play some dinner music behind the scenes. I've been using Apple music for a few years on my iPhone, have a family account for Apple Music. We share music, we share playlists, all and on and on. So I figure, all right, I'll just activate Apple Music on my MacBook Pro, and everything will be great. Let me tell you, Apple Music on Mac OS sucks. Oh, it's bad. It is so. <laughs> I mean, it is so bad. It is embarrassingly bad. Yeah. Uh, I got everything. I got all my accounts logged into. Uh, and I just I couldn't couldn't do anything. Couldn't save a playlist. Couldn't download music to the device. It just popped up and said, "There's been an error." Thanks, Apple. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that descriptive. You know, thing. Johnny Ive wrote that one on the way out the door. He's like, "Yeah, there's you been have an error. there's been an error." Right. Yeah, that's horrific. So, 
two days later, magically and mystically, it just started working. <laughs> so now it's syncing. It works. I can download stuff. But it took two days for the MacBook Pro to, after I activated the account, to get its hooks into iCloud and go, oh, right, music. Oh, great. Terrific. So I included a YouTube video here. I will have in the show note links that uh, someone else got to this first and has a lovely and hilarious uh, journey through Apple Music on Mac OS of just how bad it is. It is embarrassing for a company that <laughs> – uh, that claims to be about design. And, and it, I guess it's even more embarrassing because there's so many things that they do get right that when they get it so blatantly wrong, it just shines a bright light on it. Um, it's well, particularly so for it being music and because uh, an argument can be made right. that the reason that Apple is a you know billion-dollar company is because of the of their pivot to music and, and how they made, you know, how they made the modern Walkman. And that's what got uh, right. people used to carrying Apple devices in their pocket, which then led to the phone, which then led to. So to to be so bad in this area that really trailblazed for them is is just kind of like you said, it's embarrassing. Yeah, Reality check. Really is. They've never had good music software. iTunes has always sucked. So the fact that Apple Music. But it was the sucks? first to suck, Jason. <laughs> It was well. I don't know. I don't know. Winamp. Winamp was sucking before iTunes, I believe. That's true. Has there ever been a truly good music app on the desktop? Has Has there been one where you've said yes? Like double a double cassette deck on my desktop. <laughs> Brian's boombox. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. What else is going on? Shall we talk some cybersecurity? Oh, Why sure. not? We can oh, sure. talk it for a moment or two since uh, we don't have Star Wars for a few more weeks Can here. we breeze through some things? Yeah. 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 I, I saw this over at uh, our friend's Know Before and Stu Sourman's site. Uh, it's mm -hmm. a wave of crypto muggings hits London's financial district. And I would like to say for the record that, uh, yeah, we knew this was going to be coming because we talked about it on the show long, long ago. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I would play the original clip, but that would uh, require me to go find it. And uh, I actually I did find it. I think it's from episode 530 something where I talked about the Rolexes in Chicago and people would steal Rolexes by cutting people's arms off. And I wow, said that it was really? going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was always the thing. Uh, you were on the Ugh. show. I was actually talking to you about this story. <laughs> so oh, I don't remember that. Wow. Uh, that really says something about my skills as a storyteller, I tell you. Well, uh, more, probably more my memory in the cloud that I'm in right <laughs> now. But go on. So, yeah, it was a thing because my dad used to sell security systems. So he told me the stories about how people are never, ever secure. We just sell the illusion of security. And mm. he was telling me about people with Rolexes in Chicago who would basically – people would walk around with machetes in the 70s and if you're on the L and they see a Rolex they would it's faster for them to cut your hand off and run with it than it was to you know mug you and take the watch off you now this wow. has a hint of you know urban legend to it <laughs> yes. you think a little bit but it still drives the point home that if you wear a Rolex but you look at look at Beverly Hills nowadays people are doing smash and grabs with people with fancy watches every day now it's one of them hmm. things um even follow homes so to, to know that, okay, there are now crypto millionaires out there who can't shut the hell up and are out in public <laughs> taking pictures of where they're going to be. And you know they live on their phones. So what's happening? Yes, people are getting mugged and having people – having the muggers are having them unlock their phones and transferring out their crypto. Saw wow. it coming. Saw it yeah. coming. It's just – Your you know, crypto it's a no or your life. <laughs> yeah. 
that's pretty much it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, don't leave the home with your, you know, with your regular phone, take a decoy, take a flip phone decoy if you have to. But I mean, I guess an upside right now is that that crypto is quickly becoming worthless. So (laughs) and our next story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, this is ties right in nicely to the fall of Coinbase in real time. I just saw this one this morning um, because we saw that their their stock tanked yesterday on their earnings report. But Mm -hmm. hidden in their earnings report was a little bombshell that I don't think anybody knew about. Which is that if Coinbase actually does go bankrupt, all the crypto that they are um, holding for you, you can lose because it will become their property and you just become someone who uh, is one of their creditors. So you have to. Yeah. So I just saw this. This was posted on Inside. <laughs> I'm sure it was buried in the EULA somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but it was front page on Inside.com today. So I'm guessing that right now as people wake up and start to uh, uh, dump the... Smell the crypto. Their... Yeah, let's, let's yeah. look at the Cash App right now. And see that, like I said, the only reason I keep the Cash App is for those little alerts that keep showing up. Uh, it's down 5.28% today. Bitcoin is at uh, 28,300. Oh, just went down to 335 from 338. You can just watch yeah. this all day. It's it's free <laughs> if you don't have any. Yeah. I have to say I, I don't have any sympathy for the crypto bros who, who've been pumping this and, and the scammers and all those folks. My heart does go out to the people who innocently got caught up in this or even just the people who are hobbyists who just didn't know better out of out – of, Ignorance or maybe uh, you know too much enthusiasm, that sort of thing. Um, it, it's a shame. There's, I'm, I, what I'm seeing lots of reports of um, just talks of people being suicidal on on the the discussion forums about some of these cryptocurrency things because they've lost everything. Well, and you know, it's hard, like you said, it's hard to have sympathy. I mean, you feel just on a human level. You know, these people are suffering a lot, and you don't want anybody to kill themselves. But you know. From right. day one on the show, I was saying and screaming at the top of my lungs, don't put any money into this that you wouldn't. It's called Vegas money. Don't put your life yeah. savings into this and diversify, number one, even if you want to put a lot in, but never put in more than you would be willing to lose in, in on a trip to Vegas. And people bet the house on this stuff because social engineering yeah. and Elon Musk pumping and dumping. And it's it's sad. Yep, I know. Yeah. I know one person who lost their. They were they're saving up to buy a house, and then they, you know, when the big wave hit and everybody was going crazy, they believed the hype and put in, you know, more money than they should have right before it started to go down, and you know they couldn't get their house. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. they. I think they lost. You know, I think I think they pulled out at like fifty, but you know, you buy at sixty seven, lose it, pull out at fifty. <laughs> Come on, it's a hit. You know, that's yeah. that's a hit. Yeah, you got to be able I to go someone- long. You got I a saw hold someone of. on Twitter. Yeah, I saw someone on Twitter saying that there's the irony of that. You know, the the crypto folks who were against any regulation, and it would have been the very regulation that would have protected them in this case, uh, and so they don't have that as a backstop. Gee, who could have yep. seen that coming? Hmm. Yeah. Wonder mm. who. Wonder what mm. amazing podcasts out there could have been telling you about this from the get. I did look it up, and uh, our first instance of the mention, mentioning of Bitcoin on this program was episode ten with Joey Robier. Boy, you've been, uh, you're like our own historian now. 
What, well, here's here's Google what I've foo. done with it. Yeah, with that. Well, not even with that. I have utter foo with, uh, you know, <laughs> that, that big cash that we have coming in. I have uh, transcribed all of the past episodes. So now I can search. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, let's not uh, except, make that public. No, because uh, they're terrible transcripts. So you have to be really smart about how you search because you have to think like an AI and say, what does that think that that sounds like? Then you search for mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. uh, misspellings and things like that, but yeah, no, I I have uh, I have everything loaded into Otter so we can find this this old stuff now. But uh, and I was thinking, I'm like, man, can we put this out there like on a wiki where the fans can help us? And I'm like, oh no, 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 that would be bad. We've been on the <laughs> internet long enough to know that that would be a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, it seems we've lost Brian again. So Dave, uh, thanks for coming back on. Glad you're back. Glad you're. <laughs> Doing somewhat okay. I know it's going to long haul, but thank you for sharing. Definitely, thank you for sharing. It means a lot to no. us to know that uh, we can help you. So, everybody, reach out. Give Dave big furry hugs. <laughs> there you go. Right, a big furry bear hug. That's that's great. I love it. All right, guys, love you guys. Thank you. I do appreciate it, and I'll talk to you guys next time. Closing shout outs over at Patreon. We've got John. Welcome, John. Thank you, John. Over at PayPal, we've got Breed, Mark, Ralph, Miles, Sherry, and Tremendous. Tremendous! Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. (laughs) Over at our tip jar, we've got Anne, Andrew, and Jeff. And I would like to point out to everybody, we are starting a program soon where we will have ad-free versions, not just on Patreon, but also available on Apple and Spotify. We just ran into a few technical hurdles, but it's coming soon. The process is underway. So you'll be able to just press a button and get rid of the ads. So there you go. For all three people on Spotify. Mm And a big shout out to Eight Sleep Customer Support, uh, Melissa and Joe. They got the job done. Uh, not only did they send me a new sheet for my Eight Sleep, they sent me a new mattress as well. So thanks, guys. All right. Nice. Yeah. Until next time, I'm Brian Schulmeister. And I'm Jason DeFilippo. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. If you enjoyed the show, visit GOG.show slash donate to help keep us on the air and keep the lights on and we'll love you forever. You can also help us out by sharing the show with your friends and enemies. It's easy and absolutely free. Just look for that little share button in the app that you're listening to right now. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 553. From there, you can find links to everything we talked about in this episode, as well as links to our swag and Discord channel if you want to buy some stuff or chat with us and other show fans. You can also head over to GOG.show slash contact and send us your feedback or questions that we can read on the air. And if you're so inclined, please head over to GOG.show slash review and toss us a snarky review and preferably five stars. Stay grumpy. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Did we finish everything? It's only been two hours. Jesus Christ. Two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah. You can't hear the news. Okay. Well, fuck, I'm stopping this motherfucker. Stop. Boom. Save. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support 
means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.